ultimately it's my responsibility to make sure that this happened right. Even when it's your staff did the wrong thing and you know it, but you put them in that position. Did you give them all the resources that they needed? Did they understand their, their responsibilities? Did they know what the outcome should be? I'm always asking myself, like, what could I have done better? Welcome to the Seven Figure Flipping Podcast. Seven Figure Flipping is on a mission to help serious investors do more deals, make more money, work fewer hours, and get their lives back. Here's your host, Seven Figure Flipping CEO, Bill Allen. Hey everybody, welcome to the Seven Figure Flipping Podcast. This is Bill Allen, and we are in this series that we're doing on are you or are you not an entrepreneur? So this entrepreneurship journey. We, I did a podcast with Gina Wickman, the author of Traction, uh, Get a Grip, some other books that you've probably read, How to Be a Great Boss, uh, and uh, Rocket Fuel, which is one of my favorites. But he wrote a book recently called The Entrepreneurial Leap. And we did a podcast on the what it's like to be an entrepreneur. And he laid out six traits. And I'll just review them with you guys real quick. What he defined a trait as was a genetically determined characteristic. So you either have these six traits or you don't. And that defines whether you are or are not an entrepreneur. So the first one was a visionary. Second is passionate. The third is problem solver. The fourth is driven. The fifth is risk taker. And the sixth is responsible. And today we're going to be talking about the responsible trait. So he also talks about this being blame no one. So almost this extreme ownership trait that you guys, if you went to Flip Hacking Live, you saw Jocko Willink on stage talking about his book, Extreme Ownership. And that's what I get from this trait. So today I have another one of the board of directors, uh, my good, good, good friend, Terry Berger with us. So how are you doing, Terry? I'm great, Bill. Good to see you. Good to see you and happy birthday, my friend. Uh-huh. Terry decided to spend his birthday on a podcast with all of you guys. So. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. I bet Bill's like, you want to do it? And I'm like, yeah, he didn't even know it was my birthday. So I'm, I'm honored to be here. I do now. And it just pre-interview, Terry was like, oh yeah, of course. I want to spend my birthday with you. And it was like <laughs> the sweetest thing that I've ever heard. So thanks, man. I, I'm, I'm thankful to be able to spend virtual time with you today. I wish yes. I was in Atlanta hanging out with you. But um, happy birthday. I'm not going to ask you how old you are because you might not want to say. But um, we're happy to have you on the team and happy to have you around. And the out, outpouring of happy birthdays inside the Facebook group today have been awesome. So Yeah, it's been awesome. Yeah. Um, I'm, hear, okay. I'm hearing like this giant chorus singing happy birthday right now on the, on the podcast. <laughs> That's right. Uh, it'll go out a little bit after your birthday. But, okay. Uh, and I'm happy that uh, I, I can't believe that you scheduled it. J- uh, Jeremiah has done a call with me on his birthday. Adam was on a call with us <laughs> on his birthday. <laughs> it's pretty, pretty wild. Uh, I guess funny. we just... Uh, I think when it all comes down to it, we just, we work. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. it's a work day. So we're going to take care of business. Um, Okay. So these six traits, what I want to do is, is read the first paragraph from the book, Entrepreneurial Leap, that he talks about this. So give all the listeners context about this responsible trait. So what Gino says is entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs take total responsibility for the outcome. They don't make excuses. They don't complain. If you possess this trait, you accept the burden of becoming completely financially accountable. You don't believe in entitlement. You never look for a handout. You're self-sufficient and self-reliant. Above all, you blame no one else for things that go wrong. Responsible is the ability to act independently and make decisions without authorization. Synonyms for responsible are accountable and answerable. So Terry, when you hear that, like, what do you think from that paragraph? Is that you? Does that define you? Do you feel like you... Uh, embody that stuff? 
Yeah, I mean, I feel, I think at the end of the day, if you, if you say, hey, what is, uh, what's a superpower you might possess? I do feel like I take individual responsibility um, like to heart. It's funny, I don't have a military background like you do, but um, when we're hiring people, you know, we have the books that we kind of uh, mold our company after and everybody's always like, why the military influence? And I'm like, I'm not real sure. I just knew that I grew up with a, a, a very structured childhood and it started to hit me like I think both of my parents, my, both my father, my stepfather and my biological father were both in the military. And so um, I feel like maybe they ran it that way at home. But then, you know, in college, I wasn't a, prof- a college athlete. I was kind of a college athlete just with my mouth. I was a trumpet player. And, but I, it was a pretty high level and a high level of discipline to be really good, right? It's four or five hours sitting in a room that's five by five practicing all the time um, so that you're perfect and you don't make mistakes. And so I think that that training comes down to being responsible. Um, the only one I have a trouble with, and we kind of talked about this pre-show a little bit, is, you know, the, the not complaining. I feel like um, I do complain. I mean, if I'm going to be completely honest, sometimes things go rough. And I don't know, I, I think maybe I complain, um, but I complain to my confidants, right? Like I'm calling you on the phone or I'm calling a couple other uh, friends or colleagues and go, geez, I just got to get this off my chest um, because you don't want to do that to five people in your company. That'd be bad, you know? Um, so, or if you have a, a high level executive in your company that you can complain to or talk to, and I mean, complain's a really harsh word. It might just be you know, bounce frustrations off of, you know, but the all these other about, ones. The way I thought about that word when I read it is like, they don't, it, it's, they don't complain about, they don't blame other people. They're not complaining about other people being the reason and the fault for what's going wrong. It's not like the pointing of the finger, right? They're complaining saying like, yeah, but that person said that they were going to do this and they didn't do it. Yeah. It's almost like that. Um, like the, they, they're not looking in the mirror and taking the responsibility. So they're almost complaining. It's basically saying, yeah, this didn't go right because of this person, this person, and this person. And that, that to me, that's what it is. Because we're, we're, all, we're all human as far as the complaints go. Like, of course, things don't go wrong. It's, sometimes it's hard. I, I, I can see the dichotomy there that you're talking about. If you take that, you think about back to the extreme ownership side, you think mm-hmm. of Jocko on stage. This guy probably just doesn't complain about anything. He's just like, problem, good. Right. Like, okay, good. It's time to get better. It's this didn't work. Great. Like, how can we fix it? And there's not a lot of kind of self pity. So I think that's what a lot of this is talking about a little bit of that. Um, well, Hey, things aren't going right. Like why me? Wah, wah. I'm going to, I'm going to comply plain and sit in the corner and cry about it, you know, or, or somebody's going to go out and take action and do something about it. And so that, um, that kind of like, uh, it's almost like that last second of the, of the game, like it, the person who takes responsibility is the person who wants the ball, right? Yeah. They're not the person who's afraid to take this. Um, he talked about uh, being accountable and make decisions without authority and, or without authorization. Like you're the ultimate authority and you want the ball at the last second. I, I've read a couple things about Michael Jordan in the past. And this is a guy who's missed t- uh, tons of shots, right? Game winning shots. Mm. I mean, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of game winning shots missed, right? But who do you want to have the ball and who wants the ball? Like this guy wants the ball. The last thing he wants the shot. Somebody else get, he, he is the guy who should get the ball, but he also is the one who says, I, I want to take the shot. I want to be the guy in the spotlight, right? This is the person mm. in the spotlight. So all eyes are on them. 
and they're ready to take that responsibility. And so I think when it comes down to it, like, do you feel like that's you inside? Like, yes, I want the ball. I want to make the decisions. I want to be calling the shots. Or are you the guy who's like, uh, I'd rather somebody, I'd rather be second chair and let somebody else kind of do that. Yeah, no, I mean, I certainly don't mind being second chair if the guy ahead of me is better than me and somebody I can push myself to be, right, um, and learn from. But no, I mean, yeah, this all, it just, it, when you're in the mastermind group, like, I feel like I'm weird. So like when I'm in my day-to-day world and I get together with day-to-day people that have regular jobs and stuff, I feel really weird and out of place. And so I think as an entrepreneur, you have that weird feeling. And then I get together with the mastermind group. It literally is like a family reunion when I go and I get to see everybody because we get each other. Like we, it's this language that nobody speaks, and, but then everybody speaks it who is like you, right? And so, but you know, this, the responsibility piece, it is hardwired. I don't, and he's right. I mean, I haven't read this, the, the book or the five traits ahead of this. Um, I think you've got an advanced copy of the book or something, cause, uh, but I haven't had a chance other than the stuff that you sent me to dive into but there is this kind of resonant core inside of who a person is that says, I am, I'm going to own it all. And I, and I do want the shot. I want the ball. Even if I fail, I want to go down in a blaze of glory um, versus not take the shot and try. You know, you use the word hardwired, which I think is interesting because um, later on in this book, Gino talks about the fact that this is, these traits are inherent in you, that they exist or they don't exist. And so a lot of people say, well, how can I become more responsible and not blame others and take ownership and this stuff? And he actually talks about it. He says, it's, it's actually like in your DNA, he feels. Hmm. Because, and the way that he points it out specifically is look at a family and how is it possible that a brother or sister of a family member, one family member takes responsibility and another one points the finger and blames other people. Mm-hmm. So when you think about your family, and I'm not going to ask any specifics about anybody who's listening, or I'm not going to talk about my family specifically, but inside of a family, you typically have somebody who's raised by the exact same parents, in the exact same culture, in the exact same climate, with the exact same nurture and nature type stuff. And you have two polar opposite people that are produced by that environment and that family. How is that possible if one person takes total responsibility, like full-on entrepreneur, the 1%, the entrepreneur who's going to change the world, who takes responsibility for all their actions and does these other five traits, and the other one just goes, no, it's, that, it's their, their fault, it's their fault, it's somebody else, it's, it's not me, I, I'm perfect, they did this. It, it just plays the blame game, right? Yep. And so that's why he talk, talks about that being actually hardwired into who we are, and, and, and at some point, that switch has to change or happen for us. And, and take that ownership because I, I think, and I'm not sure how I feel about that, but it's interesting. Like as I was talking to him, he, he, it, ma- it makes a lot of sense. I've seen, and I know a couple people inside the mastermind group who are phenomenal entrepreneurs and they have family members who this is exactly what they do. They play the blame game. So I don't know if you have any experience like that, or what do you feel about that? Like the fact that this is a trait where you have it or you don't, or I know that it can be developed over time, but it's like, you have to have some level of this at some point. You know, I, I, I think, yeah, I think there can be development, right? I think there can be development in a lot of different areas. But the hardwired component is what causes you to accept all the responsibility and take all of the risk necessary to achieve whatever dream that you're trying to achieve, right? Whether it's quitting a, a nine to five job that you don't feel like you're appreciated for, 
whether it's you're capped by your income and you want to be uncapped, like there, there's going to have to be a sense of responsibility that comes with that. But I mean, you know, it's funny, I'm drawn back to a conversation that you and I had at our kitchen table. I didn't know that you were a soccer player, right? And, um, and you were a soccer player and you said you could have gone in the military. There was this kind of a thing that was going on or, and you were close to getting a D1 scholarship at Notre Dame and, you know, you were at the super high level. I mean, no one had to tell you what to do to go be that, right? You, you had it and you went and you crushed it and then, um, and then you were rewarded for it. it, it your, your dad or your mom didn't tell you to go be a D1 soccer player or a potential D1 recruit, did they? No, you, you, you knew, you loved it, you had a passion for it, and you went and you did it, and it was hardwired in. I mean, same thing with me. I wanted to be, a, you know, this world-class trumpet player. And, you know, you, now I think that life humbles you. Like in my case, I was really good. And for my college, I was like one of the top one or two guys there. I had an 85-mile-an-hour fastball, so to speak, but I didn't have a 92 and so I knew I wasn't going to get to that next threshold. So I had, to, I had to pivot. I had to go, okay, what else am I passionate about? My gifting is not producing the results. So now I have to be responsible again and go, what, what can I produce with the same amount of effort and work that I'm currently willing to put in? I'm willing to, put, I'm willing to outwork anybody. Like Tom Brady could have been a wide receiver, but he wanted to be a quarterback and nobody will outwork the guy. So I don't know. I think it's hardwired. Yeah, I, I do too. And, and I think you mentioned, so um, you haven't heard the interview that I did with Gino yet, but I asked him, I, pre-show I told him my background, I was an engineer and all this stuff. And he, then I said, What's the, there's a level and scale on this, right? So what do, what do I have to have of all of these traits? Is it like, what if I was like a six out of 10? You know, is that a good enough to be an entrepreneur? And he goes, and then even during the show, he goes, you're back. What's your background again? You're an engineer, right? And I said, yeah. He goes, an engineer would ask that question. He's like, it's yes or no. And then whatever level you're at and all of these things will determine the type of like where you are in the spectrum of an entrepreneur, he feels like. So you got the Elon Musk type entrepreneur, right? Who's just going to be like a 10 on all this stuff. And then you've got some, you got some other people who might not have, you know, as much of an entrepreneurial drive or be able to accomplish the things that's the way that some of these people think, the visionaries, the really big thinkers, the highly driven people, the big risk takers, like big, big risks, like billion dollar risks, right? And I, but I think this is one of them that I feel like you either have it or you don't. So I think it's really hard to develop that, like to change when you're so used to pointing the finger. And it comes, the, and the reason I say that is not because of my family or any of my staff or any of my relatives that we've been talking about, but it, it comes down to the people that I've hired and trained and really tried to uh, develop relationships with on the business side. Because what I find is I, they come in with this aspirational want to, uh, to have our core values. And one of our core values is extreme ownership and integrity. I feel like these kind of go pretty much together, kind of hand in hand, like what you're doing when nobody's looking, like that's really kind of in that ownership side, are you looking in the mirror? It's the mirror and window kind of thing from the Jim Collins book, Good to Great. And what, what I see is they wanna change, they want to take ownership, they wanna stop pointing the finger, but the default always goes back to, oh, it's not my fault, it's like, it wasn't me, not my fault, it's their fault, it's, this happened or this happened. And, and when it, the, like the true self comes out when you're under stress and things are going wrong and everything hit the fan, right? That's when you really see where somebody is. And so I've seen a lot of people who 
really wanted to take responsibility. They wanted to be, have this trait and they just don't. And I think they can work on it, but there's always going to be some level of just, it's interesting because I, when, when you're really good at something, you want the ball, right? But when you're not so good and you're struggling, kind of like, don't, don't want, you want somebody else to take it. You're willing to pawn it off. But all these traits kind of work together. That driven trait I hear in you saying, you know, I was really driven to, you're driven to be a soccer player. You were driven to be a trumpeter and uh, a musician and those kind of things. And um, is that right? Trumpeter? Yeah, uh, you know, you're close. It's close Trumpetist? Now. What is Trump, it? Trump, uh, that's a great question. Trumpetist? Trump, trumpet, trumpeter. 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 Trumpet player. <laughs> I thought, I, I'm one, one for three, maybe. So, uh, so we go out there and we want to want to do these things, and but we're driven to do it, and we have some of these other traits. So they all kind of work together. And I feel like this is a trait where you can't be like somewhere along the scale. Like you really got to take ownership. And if you don't, I'm I'm not saying don't work towards doing that and say, well, I just don't take it, so I'm just going to continue to point the finger. But th- you're never going to like you could be a one man show, I think. And we'll talk about kind of what, what do you, what do you do if you don't have this or it's not that strong? Um, but really growing a company and an organization, you've got to be the person who is taking responsibility when you own the company. And so I'm sure you've seen that in your business when things go wrong. If you start pointing the finger at other people, how does that look for you as the owner of the business? Well, I mean, if I, I, don't, I don't know what it looks like because I don't do it, but um, I can imagine if I did, um, it's going to cause everybody else in the company to act just like me, right? So then they all start pointing the finger at each other. Um, well, that, he did that or he's over budget because she didn't estimate it right. And, you know, all the things in our house flipping world that, um, that can go wrong. Um, I mean, our culture is like yours. It's it's defined by everybody owning their issue. But at the end of the day, you know, everybody on my team, they can own their issue, but I have to own it too, right? So whatever it is, what, 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 what did I not do right to cause this guy to make this mistake over here? Like, how did, I, how did I miss the training piece that caused him to go off the rails on his project, right? So um, it always comes back to me looking in the mirror. That's it. Yeah. I- the, I think it, it, you, you lose so much credibility when you start blaming other people and, in, a, in a business or, or in life, frankly. And I think you gain so much more when you say, that's my fault. Mm. Like it's ultimately, it's my responsibility to make sure that this happened right. Even when it's not, it's like your staff did the wrong thing like, and you know it, but you put them in that position. You set them up for that. Did you give them all the resources that they needed? Did they understand their, their responsibilities? Did they know what the outcome should be? I'm kind of always asking myself, like, what could I have done better? And game filming that even before I have that conversation in my mind of what should I have done? What could I have done? And I think that's the, the mark of, of just leadership in general needs to come from, you lead from the front, right? You, you take responsibility for your actions. You even take responsibility for other people's actions. You figure out like this was ultimately my, my mission, my job, my project, my whatever. And you've got to make sure that your, your team members are, are doing what they need to do and not pointing the finger. It, I, I love when we ask questions in the interview process to try to figure out what it looks like for us, for, for them and how they think. And basically just going through a previous failed um, a fi- previous failure, previous issues, things like that. And I kind of ask them about the past. It opens up a lot about what they are going to do in the future. 
So what, what, do you have any examples of this, like times that you've seen it and times that you haven't seen it inside your company? Well, I think the first example is, you know, being responsible doesn't mean you have to act like a know-it-all, right? I think when you're responsible, you have a responsibility to learn and educate yourself and get better. And so, I, I mean, I get, I, hiring has been at the forefront of what we've been doing. We had to hire two or three people uh, in the past six months and trying to hire a couple more. And so, um, the hiring piece is frustrating because I think when you're responsible, you, you know what you need to do months ahead of time. And then, so like, for example, I knew I should have signed up for this piece of software that you use and I use um, that uh, helps you hire better. That's it. I mean, it just helps you hire better. Other people in the mastermind group were using it to, with good success. And I just didn't pull the trigger. I didn't want to spend the money. It, was, it wasn't cheap. And so I was just like, I just don't think we're in a position where we can, should spend the money on this. And so I hired a couple of people, you know, based on my voodoo methods of hiring, as uh, Jeff Smart would say, right? And, uh, and, and, and so, you know, that led me down a path, you know, did I get A players or did I get B players or did I get C players? Well, if you get a B player or C player, then you, the problem is now you can't just fire them, right? Because if you're going to take extreme ownership of it and be responsible for that person that you, you gave them the job, they turned down something else to take your job. Now I have to go in and, and they, they, if they're a B or C player, I, I'm having to get in the weeds with these people a whole lot more than if I would have just hired the A player, right? Or taken the time and waited for that person. So like, let's put this in a practical small business environment. And I see it all the time. People will hire, um, they'll hire a family member or they'll hire a cousin or they'll hire somebody who's kind of down on their luck and, and needs, needs some help. They need to make money and they, they kind of do the sympathy hire, right? I've never heard of a, of a situation where the sympathy hire ever came back to be this unbelievable thing that happened. Most of the time, it just ends in complete disaster. And so is that being responsible um, for what you're trying to accomplish? I mean, hardwired, is it being responsible? Or, or did you not learn from all the other businesses that you saw do the same thing, right? Did you not, did you not call a couple friends of yours that own businesses and say, hey, I'm thinking about hiring my sister-in-law to do this job. What do you think? And that business owner is probably going to say, well, I did that. And, and it messed everything up. Right. And so having those mentors in your life to, to help you grow and learn and ha learn how to take that hardwired trader responsibility and, and, and make it str more bulletproof. Cause I think, I think we, we, we're, we're built with this vest, right. But it doesn't mean it's, it can't, it can't take armor or, or incoming. You can't take damage from it. Right. You can, but the, if you get better mentorship, better training, better education, learn from people, now all of a sudden that responsibility is almost bulletproof because you, you've learned from other people's failures along the way, which has sped up your success. So, so from the hiring perspective, that's what I'm really passionate about right now is like, don't screw up your hire. Cause if you do, you're going to pay the price of having to jump down in the weeds with them and then eventually maybe even get rid of them because they're the wrong person for the role. You know, it's interesting when I listen to that and you're talking about the software that you use now for hiring and um, personality profiling, <clears throat> you, you said, I, I thought that I couldn't afford it. I thought it wasn't the right thing. It's you're, you were taking responsibility even in that statement saying like, I, I, was, I can't believe that I waited this long to do it because just that one hire that I made or the, I was interviewing somebody using this new method and it would, after two hours, you and I talking the other day, you were like, man, I got to a point where 
I could just, I knew, I, I probably would have hired her in my previous voodoo method, right? Mm -hmm. And now I got to the point where I asked a certain question and I got an answer that they wouldn't have normally given me. And sure enough, it's not the right fit. So, yeah. uh, and just that, that invest, it, looking at things differently, like this is an investment in my business, this investment in the hiring tools that we have, it's, it will pay for itself a hundred times over exactly what we do with the mastermind group and all the other places that we invest in ourselves. And you took responsibility for it. You could have said, like, I think that's going back to the, in the beginning where you're like, I do complain, but you, in the complaining, it's not like, um, this would have worked if, um, I could have done this if, like, if that happened, right? Like, um, or if they had done this, you know, or somebody else, you're not pushing the blame on somebody else. You're taking it in 100%. Even in this, you're saying, I can't believe that I waited this long. I should have made this decision differently. I'm, it sounds like complaining to some people, but it's not. It's you taking ownership and saying, looking back on, I made a mistake. I'm owning up to it. I'm saying that I, I should have done this when probably most of your complaining is just you taking responsibility and like, I wish I had done this differently or I wish that we had made a different decision or I, you know, I had seen this before or, or if I listened to that mentor. So a lot of times I see, we'll give advice all the time and then they just go out and do the opposite, right? And then a lot of times the people who aren't taking responsibility will come back and say, yeah, but you told me to do that or why did you tell me to do this? It didn't work. It's like, I, I told I, I recommended the opposite or I, we recommended something else or so-and-so told me to do that and it didn't work. Well, okay. Did you iterate? Did you make changes? Did you make adjustments? What does it look like now? Like every, we fail on a regular basis. Mike and I talked a lot about failure in the uh, risk-taking side of things. Mm. And the responsibility is strictly taking ownership for your failures and your successes. Like most people, they just want the accolades during success. They want to forget about all the shots that they missed, Right. Right. They want to forget. They want to pretend like that didn't happen. And I mean, the best baseball players like hitting the ball, like what? 35% of the time, 40% of the time, maybe like, yeah. whoo, that's 60% is 65%. They're missing. They're swinging and missing. They're striking out They're They're doing it's, it's just amazing to see that. And these are the elite of the elite. So for what we do, we're so caught up in being perfect and, and making sure that we're always profitable and we're never losing money on a deal and with every hire that we have, everything that we do touch, touch turns the gold, right? Like all these things. It's not the case. No. It's what you see on TV. It's what you might hear on some of these podcasts. It might be what some people are portraying or the social media side or Facebook or Instagram is showing you the perfect side of everybody's life. When the 65% of what we do in the elite side of things, if we're batting 350, right? Mm -hmm. The 65% of what we do fails. The 65% of our life is not, it looks like crap, right? Yeah. Um, so really getting, and then taking responsibility for that and just saying, look, it's okay that when we fail, it's okay when we fall down, it's about what we do afterwards that happens. And, and do we take ownership of that? Like right now I'm teaching my son a lot about this because he will, he will say, I didn't do that or that wasn't me. And I just watched him do it. Or he'll, he'll, he'll push his brothers over and I'm staring right at him and they start crying. And I say, say sorry to your brother. And he goes, I didn't do anything. <laughs> and so now's the time where I'm starting to see this, like this potentially could go the wrong direction here. And I don't know when that light switch turns on, but if it's at five years old, I'm certainly going to point him in the direction of, no, you did do that. And we are going to take ownership and this is why we do. And this is how this, you have to think and feel because I'm hoping that all three of my boys grow up to take ownership for everything that they do. If Gino's right, Maybe one of the three of them, maybe two or three of them won't. So we'll see. Um, and he didn't say that all families have this. He said, how is it possible that some families have that? So 
Um, hopefully I can bat a thousand on my kids, but if not, I'm sure it'll be my fault when I get older and they're not doing what they should be doing, right? Well, listen, I mean, responsibility might be hardwired in, but so is rebellion, right? Like if we rebel against our responsibilities, which is what you see in a lot of family drama. You know, what, uh, what was the show that was on Jerry Springer, right? I oh, mean, yeah. you know, you're seeing responsibility and complete reckless rebellion. And, uh, and maybe it is hardwired into everybody, but then there's the rebellion takes place and, and, and then that knocks off the sixth trait of the, of the entrepreneurial scale. And you, you can't be an entrepreneur if you're not responsible. Well, I think it's interesting because rebellion was one of the synonyms that we talked about for risk-taking. Like you're a little bit rebellious, right? You're that you're different. Uh, entrepreneurs are the, they think differently. They act differently. They, they take risks. They, they see the reward. It's calculated risk. So we talked about all that stuff. So that's really that word that comes into play here too on responsible. When you do take that risk. So as we're building on this, right, you've got the vision, you see the vision, right? And then you are um, from there, you're like driven, right? And you're passionate and you're solving problems to make more money. And then you're taking the risks. And then at the end of this line, you get to the responsibility. So I got the vision. I know where I want to go, right? I'm passionate about it. I'm so excited about this. I, I'm solving problems along the way. There's coming up. I'm solving them. I can see the solution before it happens. I'm driven to get this done. I'm taking the risk. And then boom, it's failure. I fall down. I break something. It doesn't work. What do I do? Do I point the finger in or do I point the finger out? And that's really, I think, where you, this is the one that puts the kind of the nail in the coffin. This is the one that really makes or breaks. And not necessarily like, like are you an entrepreneur? Where are you going to go? How big is it going to get? But it's like, this, this will define success for you. When your people are following you and you have to be the leader, it, this, this determines how, I think like how quickly you will fail and just crash and burn because the, the first time that you don't take responsibility for it, your credibility goes out at the door. People don't want to work with you. Um, your vendors won't want, if you're working with contractors, anybody, uh, that stuff, you, you'll just have to kind of bounce around. I think of the contractor who like is always blaming somebody else for their issues. And then they're just like screwing over clients and moving on to the next clients, changing business names, taking deposits from people and then skipping town. These are the folks that are just, just morally uh, wrong. Not, it's not working for them. So, and for, for the people who are saying like, he tells a story in the book about a real estate developer who, um, who had, he, he was responsible for all the land purchase and acquisitions. And then his partner was responsible for all the construction. Partner went bankrupt on the construction side of things. And the land developer is the person who made it right. So he could have cut, cut bait, sold the land off, cut and run. Or he could have gone, said, you know what, I'm going to make this right. Even though that person he could have blamed the construction guy. He could have, you know, got out of there, safe face. Um, like a lot of the people that uh, go through some different sides and, uh, and go through bankruptcy or file, uh, you know, to, to get out of the way of, of this issue instead of taking ownership saying, no, hey, I have a responsibility here too. And he made it right with all the people who were you know, building the houses. Uh, probably at a loss, I would suspect. It doesn't go into all the details, but interesting story about that. So mm -hmm. I've been in those situations before where I know that I'm going to lose money. I told one at Flip Hacking Live last year about how I lost money on a house and I lost $70,000 on a flip that we were doing and my lenders made about $50,000. So I had an option there. I could take responsibility for the fact that it didn't work the way I thought it was going to and I'm going to take the hit and the company's going to lose money or I could have gone back to them and said, blamed a bunch of things. Said, oh, this happened, this happened, this happened, this happened, which was all true. It all did happen. But I could have gone back and said, hey, um, 
I'm actually need to not pay you the interest or pay you a little less, or can we reduce the thing? Can I negotiate with you? But instead we just took it on the chin and moved on to the next one. And we continued to do that. And, um, and I think what happened was nobody knew any different. Nobody, everybody continued to lend money to us. Everybody, we just kept going. And since then we've made hundreds of thousands of dollars on the backs of that from those lenders. So it's really like, um, what, what are you going to do when everything goes wrong? Are you going to, you know, take responsibility or not? Well, and I think in a situation like that too, I mean, um, you've told the story before where you actually bought the house back, right? There was a house <laughs> that you actually purchased, purchased back. I was on the phone with you when you were sitting there with the attorney and like, this is the most painful thing ever, but I'm going to buy this house back because my name is, I want to, my good name is worth more than, you know, telling these people to go pound sand. Right. And so, um, so you did, you bought the house back and, um, but I think there's like, when you're responsible, there's like this invisible splash factor that comes in, right? Like you, you being responsible, you don't tell anybody about it. Nobody needs to know that story. No one would ever know that story about you paying the investor 50 grand. You, he, you made an agreement with him. You paid him what he was owed in spite of you losing money. You probably could have gone back and negotiated a lower fee and he would have been just grateful to get his original investment back, right? But you didn't. You paid him. And I just think when, you, when that stuff compounds on top of each other, again, it makes more of a bulletproof vest, but it, I, I, um, it splashed, I, I took, my wife and I had said, you know, their, their issue has splashed up on us, right? But it also works in reverse. The good stuff that you do splashes up on everybody else. When we're able to raise capital, like I don't do anything. It's weird, like it's this weird thing where I, I just explain our, our thing in like 10 or 15 minutes and they're like, all right, what's the next step here? I'll give you my money. And, and I think it's the splash factor. I, I, I have a reputation of doing the right thing. You have a reputation of doing the right thing. Now all of a sudden people are just falling all over themselves because they know you'll do the right thing. Period. Yeah. No, I think that's powerful. You're right. Um, and I don't think I ever have told the story about that on the podcast for sure. Oh um, yeah. You don't have to about buying the house back. Yeah. We'll have to do that at some point. Uh, the, and maybe I'll do it inside the Facebook group. If, if, if you guys are listening and you want that story, um, mm -hmm reach out to us and, and I'll tell it. I, it is pretty interesting. They, um, I was getting sued for a, for a house, a flip that we did and ended up uh, buying it back from them instead of giving them money. <laughs> so it's trying to shake me down for something we didn't do, but I, you know, take the responsibility for it. I'll stand by my work and uh, we'll do it. It's a pretty interesting story. And I still don't know if I did the right thing, but, uh, right now it's, it was the best, the best way to go. Right. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, those are hard decisions to make, right? Like when you're up against the wall and somebody's, you know, putting your integrity in, in check, like they're, they're really like calling you out for something that's not true. Uh, what are you going to do? You know, what are you going to do about it? You're going to blame so-and-so you're going to, and I'll tell you what, the other reason I bought that house back is because um, the concern that I had was for the, the contractor that they were going to go after next mm. and the realtor that they were going to go after after me and everybody else that they were going to go kind of sh try to shake down for money if, if it didn't work out with me. Mm. And so I got a release for every single other person that was uh, involved in that project that they couldn't go after anybody um, after we went through that. So I didn't um, know that you didn't have, and that's a cool thing. You didn't have to do that. Like, you yeah, know, but you, you buying the house back was enough, but the fact that you actually took four or five extra steps, that's pretty awesome. Well, I mean, yeah, I think that's the, that's the biggest thing. You know, we're, we're a team. We went into it together and they, they, we all did the right thing. So I'm going to make sure that everybody's protected at the end of the day. And I would expect, and the people that I was working with were great. I mean, if they had, if they had not taken responsibility and screwed us over, 
like that result would have been different, but they're mm-hmm. great people that I want to make sure. And they would do the same thing for me. I hope. Yeah. Um, and we'll keep, we'll keep working together. Like if I need something, that's what I'm, I'm going to go to. So like, I, I guess the next step I want to take in this is, okay, let's say we, we talked a lot about how important it is to take responsibility because this is, I, and I, obviously it's one of our core values. So that's the, that's one of the things that makes it so strong that we're going to push. And there's might be some people who are like, you know, I do, I do point the finger sometimes. Like I, I do it's, and I wouldn't say like, I'm not calling you a bad person. I'm not saying that you shouldn't be in business. I'm not saying any of that stuff here. I say the, the first thing is to, is to realize it and recognize it. Mm-hmm. Recognize that you do that. Take responsibility for that, right? Recognize it and say, okay, how can I start moving in a different direction? Like how can I start changing? Get around people who are doing this, who, who do take responsibility, start to learn from them, start to uh, figure out how to emulate them, act like them, do those kind of things and, and recognize it when you're doing it. So each time you notice it, you can say, wow, man, I can't believe it. It's like, you got to really look in the mirror on a lot of this stuff. We got to diagnose who we are. And a lot of this whole series is kind of just trying to find yourself. Who am I? And then how can I, you know, create the business that I want and the life that I want around who I am? And I won't say that there's anything necessarily like wrong with if if you complain or point the finger or things like that, but you really do have to work on it if you're going to get to a level of business ownership, even anywhere in business, frankly, to, to really move up. Um, what do you think, like, if, if, if that's just one of the traits that somebody doesn't have, like, what would you say, Terry, to like, to, that they could do or some ways to, um, to kind of work on that? You mean if responsibility is not one of the traits? Yeah, or yeah, occasionally they're, they find themselves like they don't have it in spades, right? They're like, yeah. sometimes, yeah, I take responsibility for some stuff, but I just don't want the ball. Like, I, yeah. when, the, it, when the shot's on the line, I just, I'm fine being the, the person who just doesn't want the ball and I'm not going to be, um, uh, I don't want to be responsible for these big decisions, for these kind of things, for all of this stuff. I think, um, so, you know, obviously with responsibility, there's a million other things, right, that, that kind of make up uh, the soul of a person. Um, you know, risk tolerance, let's take risk tolerance for one, right? Let's say someone is not extremely risk tolerant, but they are somewhat risk tolerant, right? So they're, they're not like, uh, we were just telling a story about Mike Simmons, you know, Mike Simmons deals are just like, he just does deals with, and has this like drive towards them and it doesn't shake him one way or the other. If it's going great, it doesn't shake him. If it's going bad, it doesn't shake him. He just, he's a deal maker. And um, so he's got lots of risk tolerance, but somebody who doesn't, um, you know, you, you need that d- d- so if you don't have risk tolerance as much as somebody else, but you're responsible still, right? I'm still responsible. I'm going to seek out people and I'm going to learn from other people, right? Like an example, in the mastermind group, Bill says all the time, hey, let me make that mistake for you guys. Let me go out and try this marketing channel. Let me, let me use our money to show you if this is going to work or if it doesn't work. And if it doesn't work, I'm going to come back and show it to you. I love that because I'm very... I, um, I'm a risk taker, but I'm more of a conservative risk taker. So I'm like, all right, show me, spend your money doing that. So it saves me the headache and heartache of having to do it in my own business. And so then I'll implement a strategy that's working for somebody else because I want to hack it just like everything else, right? I want to biohack my business or, or, or get to a, a place faster and with less cost and less financial sacrifice, right? So if I'm learning from other people to do that, um, I mean, I think I've probably learned the most 
to take my responsibility and, and make it more of a superpower versus being just a hardwired trait and per- turn it a superpower just by being around people in a mastermind group. You know, I mean, it, it always comes down to who you hang out with, right? Yeah. I, could be, I could be responsible and go hang out with irresponsible people and eventually I'm going to bleed irresponsible or I can hang out with the kind of people that I want to be around and then become more of what I already am. Yeah, I think that's the solution to it for sure. That's that you, uh, you know, getting around people that are responsible, that uh, take ownership, and you start seeing. I think that that also highlights um, the fact that you don't sometimes, and you start really kind of questioning that and saying, "I do need to work on it." And I think you know, ultimately, I think you're going to have a tough time if you don't have this trait. You're going to have a really tough time running a business. You definitely have a t- tough time hiring and leading employees and staff. Your leadership skills are going to really struggle. If you don't take responsibility for your actions, you don't, you're not accountable for what you do. And so I, I think maybe I gave Terry a really tough question in trying to get him to figure out how to, how to spin this such that if you don't have the responsibility trait, it's okay. But I mean, when it comes down to it, you, you're just, this is one that like, if you're not that, that driven, right. Or you're not a big enough visionary or you don't take your risk tolerance is a little bit different than the next person. Or you're not the, like super passionate about what you're doing. Like these are ones where you could be somewhere on the scale, I think. Mm-hmm. Like this one, you're going to have a really tough time if this isn't you. So if you're listening and it's not you, maybe it's not, like, maybe the one man show like solopreneur thing is for you, but you probably end up blaming somebody else like the contractor or the clients or in this business, some other things. Um, but it's like being accountable for things and letting other, like being accountable to other people and other people be accountable to you. That's it's, it's not, there's nothing in life that I know of. That's really kind of a one man show, a one woman show, you know, it's not these like self-made millionaires just don't exist. Right. It's a team sport. We all work together and it's about people. And I think this trait is really about people. And how do we, how do we interact with other people? How do we take responsibility for our actions? How do we hold ourselves accountable? Because if you can't hold yourself accountable, you don't have the right to hold anybody else accountable. Right. So I think this just comes down to leadership. You'll have if you have nobody, no employees, you'll have nobody else to blame, but you'll figure out something else. It'll be the environment. It'll mm. be the, it'll be the uh, economy. It'll be, and I'll tell you what, this is where most people default to. Yeah. yeah they totally. default to the economy, competition, other things like that. And I even see that for the people who say they're responsible is they take everything and they turn it into a problem instead of figuring out the solution. And you can, every single thing that people bring up to me, it, there's, there's two sides of each of those coins. You can take it and use it as a excuse, as a complaining point, or you can take it and use it as fuel and power and you can turn it into a positive. Like I had a full-time job when I got started in this business. Most people say, I can't do this business because I have a full-time job. Yep. Well, I had a full-time job and I used it. I didn't use it as an excuse to not do it. I used it as power to grow my business faster because I didn't have to pay myself. So I said, well, how can I do it? I have to hire somebody. I have to you know, fill in the gaps and the voids and and then I could grow and I grew faster because of it, because I wasn't pulling $10,000 a month out of my company like a lot of people do to live off their, uh, their income, you know? And so I see a lot of people that, and they say that I don't have any money and that's a big excuse or the market's too difficult or there's too much competition instead of saying, oh, there's competition, good. Like right now, I think these iBuyers is, is interest, really interesting thing. They are paying all of their money to educate our clients. Mm-hmm. They are educating them that this, it's actually might be okay to sell your house for cash. And they're paying millions and hundreds of millions of dollars in marketing so we don't have to. And they're giving us legitimacy. 
So you can look at it like they're taking all of our deals and there's so much competition to us, or you can look at it and say, you know what, thanks. Like we're getting more calls because of it. We can actually leverage this. We can use it to, they're legitimizing what we do a little bit. So there's lots of different ways to look at everything that happened. And um, I don't know, we are in a very interesting week this week as we record this in our economy mm. and the market tanking and all the things that are going on in the, the stock side of things. So as real estate investors and, and investors ourselves, we can do, we can use that as fuel. This is, can be people, even in the stock market right now, uh, some people are looking at that as a really good thing. Like, great, I can buy more stock. And some people are like, oh my gosh, I just lost everything or my, everything I have is down, back down. I lost two years of my investing journey because two years ago, I'm at the same point I was right now. What happened? So there's lots of different ways to look at everything that we do. Like, are we taking responsibility for our actions or not? Are we holding ourselves accountable? So I think that's the question here. And you have to ask. Well, and the other, the other piece of it, I remember back in the recession when I was a retail real estate agent. Um, so the market crashes, my business goes from selling six to seven houses a month on average to selling zero for six months, right? So it was just this big dry spell for six months. And I remember I used to watch, uh, uh, I would have like CNBC on all the time, just kind of background noise and stuff. And finally, I just turned it off. I'm like, I'm not watching any more news because it was like my responsibility trait was big and I was working, I was hustling to try to figure it all out and, and, and survive and try to thrive in the midst of it, right? But, but like this whole, this boat anchor of the television on the wall was literally like a boat anchor bringing me down. And so I had to, I had to cut it off. I had to stop it. I had to stop any of the negative stuff that was coming in because I, I didn't need any more negative thoughts. You know, I was hardwired to be responsible and to figure it out. And, and, I, and you have to get away from those anchors in your life. It could be a family member. It could be, um, it could be a parent telling you, don't do this business. It could be whatever. Right. But you have to cut, cut the boat anchors loose. Yep. It's like so much like mindset, the way we think, the way we look at everything, you know, all of this stuff in, in this trait, it's just, how, how do we see, like, how, how do we look at the world? How do we look at life? How do we look at everything that happens to us? Um, are we blaming other people? Or are we taking responsibility for it? That's it. Mm -hmm. The end of story. So, uh, you, you have it or you don't, hopefully you have it. And if you don't have it, recognize it, work on it, get around the people that do have it and hopefully they'll change you and, mm. um, and you'll change. And if you want to change, you, you can, like, I, there's no doubt about it. I, I don't think that, I don't know, Terry, you and I probably have never been in the place where we have to change this trait. It's just kind of like we have it. Or we, I'm sure when I was a kid, I was like, same thing as Will right now. Like that wasn't me. I didn't do yeah. it. Nope. I, I mean, I remember as a kid, it's kind of like blaming my friends when I would come home because I was a little bit of a troublemaker and stuff like that. So I remember that. So, um, I, you can grow out of it, I guess, when you're younger. I do. Well. I think you can grow out of it because I really do think it is a hardwired trait in most people, right? But if, you're, if your parents are not reinforcing that, you get to adulthood, now all of a sudden your responsibility is what you should be doing and you might even know you should be doing it. Then it's like, okay, now the rubber, you've got a tougher road to hoe for sure. I mean, it's going to be yeah. a lot harder for you than it is for somebody who had a father that kind of taught that up along the way or a mom. Yeah. So... So uh, t tell all your kids to go in the military so they can grow up and teach your kids how to be disciplined, how to have responsibility. I do think it's a good, it's a good place. I mean, obviously I'm a little bit biased, but I think, uh, I think the military, I think that, that, I think sports, I think the places like team sports and things like that really do help a lot. And um, in getting that kind of mentality of, of, you know, wanting the ball, wanting that, um, that last minute, being accountable. And then on the field, 
you know, and I was a wrestler too. And when you're one-on-one on the mat, there's nobody else to blame but yourself. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of different things that, that come into play with all of that. So, um, all right. Well, I think we can leave them with that. I think that you got it or you don't at this point, um, for you guys that are listening to this is like, who are you spending your time with? Where are you, where are you hanging out? What are you putting into your, into your mind? What are you feeding yourself? Like Terry said, turn off the news, turn off the stuff like, and, and, and focus. What do you want to do? Who do you want to be? Where do you want to go? This is kind of like the end of our entrepreneurial um, trait series. So you guys kind of know, like, where do you fall in the spectrum? What do you, what, what do you think you can accomplish? If you're, uh, if you know somebody who you think would be a great entrepreneur that you see all these traits in them and they don't know it, like tap them on the shoulder. Mike and I talked about on the previous one, I wish that I knew this earlier in life. I wish that I got the tap, the entrepreneurial tap like way earlier. I see some of the 20 year old, uh, mastermind members that are coming in here, just making millions of dollars a year. Just going, Whoa, I lost like 20 years of my life. I could have been an, an entrepreneur way before this. And I was, uh, I, I'm so happy with where I am and, and how my life unfolded and what's going on right now with what I have and what I do. But I mean, it's, if you have somebody that you know, this is them, like share this with them, mm. like share this series with them, share this book with them. Uh, like tell them the gift that they have because they want to explore that. You want to dig into that. And if it's you, then explore it. Like, don't be afraid. Uh, where are you, where are you on the risk level, the risk tolerances? Cause yeah, quit your job and get going or keep your job and jump in. Like, what are you waiting for? So, um, and then if you, obviously, if you want to hang out with more people that are just like you that have all these six traits, um, we have like a room full of them. We have a mastermind group full of them. We'd love to talk with you and, uh, you guys know how to get a hold of us for that. So, um, Terry, anything, any safe rounds, we call them in the military, any last thoughts, anything else that you want to leave the, uh, listeners with? No, I mean, I just, you know, be blessed uh, from what you learn here. I mean, this is incredible free content for people to change their mindset, you know, um, just go do it. You got to just go do it. Awesome. Well, happy birthday again, my friend. Thank, thank you so you. much for sharing your special day with us. You make sure you sh- thank Marcy for letting her, uh, letting you share your special day with us. So awesome. um, I hope you guys have a great day today and happy birthday, man. Thanks, pal. I'll see you. All right, bye. You've been listening to the Seven Figure Flipping Podcast. If you've enjoyed the show, go to Apple Podcasts to subscribe, rate, and leave us a review. If you're ready to learn the house flipping and wholesaling strategies that are working right now in today's market, check out sevenfigureflipping.com. 